I'm M.H. Scott, the founder of the Parents Coaching Parents Network and the father of Mike Scott with the Philadelphia 76ers. We are a network of parents who guide, assist, mentor, and elevate parents during their college recruiting process. If you have any questions with the recruiting process, the Parents Coaching Parents Network is here to support you. We will guide you, assist you, mentor you, and elevate you to the next level of college recruiting. You can reach us at Facebook at Parents Coaching Parents Network. You can also find us on on Instagram and Twitter at PCP Network, or you can give us a call at area code 757-372-6338. Again, you can reach us on Facebook at Parents Coaching Parents Network, Instagram and Twitter at PCP Network, or you can give us a call at 757-372-6338. Looking forward to hearing from you. The Parents Coaching Parents Network. Welcome to the Parents Coach Parents Network. I am your host, M.H. Scott. And as always, hopefully I'm going to promise you another wonderful show. Um, We have a a, a guest this afternoon that I think will bring some, a a very clear perspective to the table in in an area that we haven't had a chance to cover. An area that we haven't really touched on lately, but what I want this guest to do, and hopefully she will accommodate us, is to just give us some enlightenment in this area we call mental health. I know we're all currently going through this pandemic and this coronavirus has us all down and everything else, but I think we'll come through it on the high side of everything because of conversations like this here. But before I get into bringing in my guests, we're going to be talking about mental health. And what I want you to look at and think about during the time of this show. And if you want to join in on this conversation, please, by all means, uh, leave me a voicemail message or something of that nature, and I'll get it, and we'll be able to ask and entertain your question. But what I want you to think about during this show is your child as an athlete and how he or she responds to the pressures of sport and how he or she respond to the pressure that they may be receiving from their teammates. And finally, I want you to think about how do he or she respond from the mental pressures that they may force upon themselves. You know, because one thing I want you to think about also is when we talk about mental health, it's like a invisible illness. You know, your child will go to practice and tell the coach, hey, I twisted my ankle. Coach looked down at the ankle. The ankle looks a little swollen. He sits him down on the side or sits her down on the side. Hey, coach, uh, I had to go to the emergency room last night. You know, I, I fractured my wrist, whatever, or fractured my finger. Okay, have a seat. But when your child goes to the coach and says, coach, I'm not feeling well today. I'm, I'm, I, I can't get in the groove of this practice. You know, there's some things that's on my mind or there's some things that I experienced yesterday or over the last week or so that just doesn't allow me to get into my normal flow. You know, it could be simple things such as a death in the family, a a, a sick or ill loved one, you know, something along that line. But you just can't, your child just can't get their mind right. 
That's that invisible illness that our children deal with and it's called mental health. But oftentimes it's overlooked. Oftentimes it's ignored. Oftentimes your child is told, grind it out, get on your grind. Come on, no pain, no gain. Come on, let's, let's work through it. Put that on the back burner. You've heard all these terms before. You've heard them and I know your child has heard them. How do they work through it? How do they get past it? What are some of the things that they should think about or consider during the time that they're experiencing these things, this thing, should I say, called mental health? Well, folks, we're going to bring in my guest this afternoon. And my guest this afternoon is Monique Williams. And Monique is a professional speaker, a consultant, educator, and a high school basketball, oh, excuse me, high school girl basketball coach. She's coming off of her third year in the classroom after spending more than a decade on the front lines of community mental health. This is where her experience in the field of mental health has greatly impacted services provided to youth and families involved in multiple systems. And, and, and we'll have her explain what these multiple systems are. Monique is often requested to facilitate training, workshops, and webinars centered around adverse childhood experiences and trauma. Hmm, that's pretty deep. Um, you, you know, folks, I can sit here and go on all day about Monique, but what I want you to really and truly know about her, she is a great person. I have learned a lot from her. I've met her approximately about two years ago. And just listening to her presentation, the first time through, I said, man, I know she can bring something heavy to the table. Not even knowing that she was involved in sports. Not even knowing anything of her background. But more importantly, knowing that what she was presenting at the time, and we were dealing with things from altogether different capacities. But what she was bringing to the table was something that I realized that you, as a parent, need to hear. So without further ado, folks, we're going to bring in Miss Monique. Yeah, Williams. hey, thank Monique, you. Are you there? Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? Uh, I'm good if I wouldn't oh, have no, chopped up your bio me, so badly. You know, I hate, I hate bio introductions, so that's just great. It makes me more nervous. <laughs> so you're good. You're good. It's all good. <laughs> Well, no reason to be nervous here on the Parents Coach Parents Network. Just, this is just what we do. And we don't set up a format or we don't set up any type of strict policies on this, that, and the other. Only thing we ask right. is that you keep it clean. That's the only thing that you ask. But everything else all is right, on right. the table. So, one of our, you know, one of the first things that I want to ask. And, and you can make it as simple as possible because, you know, some of our listeners may not understand what it is really and truly that we're talking about. So I'm going to ask the question, what is Yeah, I think that's health? a great question because I think um, commonly what we think about with mental health is actually more what we describe as mental illness. Um because we tend to think of mental health as being something that we have to fix or that we have to get a cure for or see somebody about. But mental health is actually everything that includes our emotional, our psychological, our social well-being. 
And it's everything that affects how we feel, how we think about things, how we act, and it determines how we handle our stress and just relate to others and our relationships and make choices. So when we actually think about mental health, it's actually such an integral part of who we are and at every stage of our life, from our childhood, through our adolescence, all the way up through our adulthood, and, and subsequently through our generativity when we become older. So I definitely think that when we talk about mental health, we most commonly refer to more of the mental health problems versus the overall um, the overall well-being of ourselves. And so I always like to say that mental health is, is just as important as your physical health. Just like you go for your checkups and your annual exams with your physician, or you take your children for their exams with their pediatrician, you know, you have to have mental health checkups for yourself too. You have to make sure that you are good within your life. Otherwise, you're going to have problems. Just like if you're not going to your physician or your pediatrician, you might start to have um, back pain. You might start to have high blood pressure or high cholesterol or, or so many other things. So when we're not taking care of our mental health, then we can start to have mental health problems or, uh, or, or it can lead into things that we commonly refer to as our mental illness because it's those things that are really impacting us overall that have not been taken care of. So... Um, I definitely think that there's always this um, there's always this dialogue that we have within our community and and, and especially within the black community, um, if I can say that that just relates to us not really looking at mental health as something that is an ongoing developmental process for us to continue developing as um, throughout our our lifespan, but we more so look at mental health when it becomes an issue or when we see people experiencing issues, then we want to talk about what's wrong with that person. So I definitely say that when we look at the course of our life, um, our mental health, we have to really think about all the factors that are contributing to our well-being, our biological factors, our life experiences, such as our traumas or abuses that we may have experienced through childhood, which I love to talk about. Um, and, and of course, our family history, because some of us have a family history of mental health problems that we probably often buried or we minimize um, coming up or we minimize in conversations and we use things like, oh, you know, that's just how that person is or, you know, they're not right. So we have so many of those dialogues that I like to call the, the cookout talk that we don't really express a lot of times or that we don't really uncover or dive deep into until it becomes an issue. And I think that that's probably where we find our greatest, um, our greatest challenges when we're talking about mental health um, within our community, especially within our children. Well, well one thing that, that I heard you say, and I, I touched on it in the opening, is that oftentimes it's overlooked and you should get a mental health checkup just as if you get a physical checkup. Why do you think this mental health is often overlooked or put on the back burner or it, it appears to be, well, folks try to just ignore it? Why, why is that so? Why do you believe that's so? I think it's because there's a so? lot of stigma around mental health. I think from what we've, what we've come to understand through pop culture and through film and media, um, there's a lot of misconceptions about people who have mental health issues. Um, I, I think about some of my early 
my early introduction to mental health, I remember watching um, The Elephant Man. I don't know, like I'm, I'm such an oldies kind of person. So The Elephant Man came out and I remember watching that. I don't know if it was just the day that I was watching some old movies or something. And I remember watching The Element, Elephant Man and learning more about psychology. And that was really what made me interested in, in the study and the field. And I remember from Elephant Man that he was actually diagnosed as an idiot. And like that was an actual diagnosis way back in the earlier days of psychology. And now we commonly throw those terms around. We throw things around like idiots and, you know, we say things like, oh, you're acting bipolar or this weather is really bipolar. So we we commonly say things that are very, very real experiences for people. We use them in common language as if it's not a huge factor. And I think a large part of that is because many people don't feel like mental health affects their mental health affects them or that problems affect them. And and it's actually such a huge misconception because um, I can tell you from research that one in five American adults have experienced some type of mental health issue. And when we think about young people, especially um, at least one in 10 young children will be diagnosed with some type of depression. So. It is definitely a very real discussion and it's a very real thing. However, I think because we have not fully understood mental health from, from a more of an educational background and more of we're learning it through social, uh, through pop culture and through media and through film, many people have stigmatized what it actually means to have either a mental health issue or to not really care for your mental health overall. But it is National uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. May is National Mental Health Awareness Month. So I think this is such a timely conversation that we're having, um, especially because one of the important pieces of talking about mental health is also talking about children's mental health, which we just celebrated uh, National Children's Mental Health Mental Health Awareness Week last week. So I definitely say that when it comes to just the overall conversation, we just don't we don't know enough about it, um, and we're we're too I guess we're too we're too reserved to talk about it. I think sometimes people feel like talking about it makes it. Um, it makes it real for many people to confront what you may have experienced in your own life. And some people don't know how to handle it. Um, I think that even the discussions when it comes to children, especially within the school setting, because uh, I, I am working in the school setting now, uh, I think even talking about mental health issues that children experience, many people, especially in the school, feel that they're not equipped to handle those issues. Uh, especially when we think about from a coaching perspective, like you said in the intro, we we tell we tell our athletes, you know, oh, suck it up, walk it off, you'll be okay, or try harder, or come back next year. But there is a lot that goes into you psychologically when you're unable to perform to the peak of your expectations, or your family's expectations, or your team's expectations, or your coach's expectations. That could actually really uh, cause some some challenges for a student athlete if they don't have good buffers and resilience and protective factors to support their mental health and their well-being throughout. Well, you, you know, you, you touched on something, and I know this is a uh, favorite topic of yours, so I want to dig into something that you just said in reference to yes. our children. And 
and, and, and then taking it from there into sports Absolutely. with our children. And, 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 and then finally trying to trying to bring it around to talk about what we as parents can do to aid, guide, and assist our, our children through these types of situations. So so let, let's start with Absolutely. the children piece. So, so what, uh, oh, go ahead, coach. <laughs> go ahead. Go, no, you're good. Go ahead. Well, I, I definitely say that children, children definitely show very early signs um, or some warning signs of mental health concerns that we definitely need to make sure that we're mindful of. And so when we think about, um, some of the mental health problems, oftentimes they're clinically diagnosable and they can be the product of some type of biological, psychological, social factors. But what's more important is that when we start to see the onset of some mental health problems, and I think this is really important for us to understand because half of all mental health disorders show first signs before a person turns 14 years old. And so we think about that's the time that our student athletes are Wow. Uh, are leaving middle school or, or may still be in middle school, but they're entering high school. And so this is the peak time of their growth and development where they're really starting to show those signs. Now, that's just for, again, for clinical diagnosable issues. Um, unfortunately, less than 20% of all children and adolescents will receive treatment that they need. And that's a very real thing, too, because there are a lot of times there are a lot of children who are walking around and harboring a lot of um a lot of things that are going on in their life and they haven't had an outlet to talk about those things or to process what's happened to them and that's when it manifests into a problem you know it's definitely like i said when we talk about mental health it is important for us to remember that our mental health is our emotional psychological and social well-being we want to be well so if you are if you're not well and you're showing those early signs or you've had things that um, have happened in your life like life experiences or you have family history or things are going on and um, it's so important that we are addressing those issues especially with our children I think we tend to think that kids don't have issues or that they don't weigh the weight of the world on their shoulders but they do and I think we commonly, especially as parents, because I'm a parent of a nine-year-old, I think that we see how quickly our children can bounce back from things, that resilience piece, and we think that they're gonna be okay. But it's so important for us as parents to check in with our kids and to see how they're feeling and to listen to our children. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. I, I think it's, it's very common, and I'm gonna say it especially for, for people of color, uh, black households, it's so common for us to silence our children's voices um, and to kind of dismiss what they have to say and, and chalk it up to a child staying in a child's place. However, when a child is really expressing some genuine concerns about their overall well-being, it's so important for us to listen to them um, because if they feel like they can't um, they can't talk to us as their parents or as their coaches, the people who they really trust and they see as those role models in their lives. If they can't be open and vulnerable to talk about the things that are stressing them out or that um, that's affecting them, then they hold on to those things and then they, they use that to form their relationships moving forward. And that's why we get the children who then become the teenagers or the adults 
who have a hard time with authority, who have a hard time within their personal relationships, who have a hard time opening up, and they seem very closed off and guarded, and and, and they deal with so many things because they they haven't had that early um, introduction of how to really openly talk about what they're going through and what they're feeling. And it starts to manifest in that way. Now, are there... You, you mentioned something a second ago when you're talking about being able to listen, being able to have that attentive ear. Now, are there any um, triggers or any buzzwords that we can kind of sort of look for or things that would tell us that, okay, hey, this is a little bit more serious than what he normally does, clowning around or whatever. You know, you, you have a child that would make a statement and you, you have to think about that for a second and realize that, hey, he or she is, is, is this, this is something that I really need to uh, tune in on or, or, or give it a little bit more attention. Uh, so, that, so are there any triggers or buzzwords out there that you know of or something that can give us a better clue? Because evidently <laughs> yeah, we don't have a clue. And, and that's what ends up happening. We don't You're have absolutely a clue. right. There, there are some things. And I think it's important that we also identify, like, what does positive mental health look like? And then what are the, the early warning signs is what you're describing. You know, like, so when we think about a positive mental health, we, we think about how do we cope with daily stressors? You know, I want to make a distinction because we're going to experience stress in our life. We're going to experience disruption. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we're experiencing complete disruption, complete stress in our life. And everything that your child may be going through right now is perfectly normal. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but we are going to be able to cope with those things. And so we have a positive mental health. We're able to work through those things. We're able to work productively. Um, we're able to make meaningful contributions to our communities and so to our teams and to our households and to our families. And when we, you know, we cope with those things, we continue to do the things that make us happy. We continue to do things that, um, that help us to stay positive and to stay connected. On the flip side of that, when we start to see those early warning signs and things that we can be looking out for, um, we need to look at changes in our child's behavior. So if you know, and of course it's all about knowing your child too and, and knowing your athlete for those coaches out there. So if you know that your child is typically upbeat and they're always wanting to go out and, and wanting to hang out with their friends and you start to notice that they wanna be by themselves or they're no longer, um, interested in, in going to hang out in their favorite spots anymore or you know they're starting to pull away from people and their their normal activities or they're not eating as much or maybe they're eating too much or they're not sleeping or sleeping way too much those are some of the the basic telltale warning signs that there may be something going on with your child that you need to check in on um you know it, it's also for for a lot of youth it, it may also come out with them fighting um, whether that is verbally or physically. So you might start to see them express themselves more outwardly as opposed to more inward, like some of the things I described before. So when you start to see some of those outward expressions, that's when you can have the kid who's becoming more argumentative, um, who is starting to fight with their siblings a lot more if they have siblings in the home or fighting with you um, and not just 
not just a typical teenage kind of, you know, growth in hormonal things because it's typical for kids and teenagers to want to buck against their parents' uh, rules and, and to be a little oppositional and, and argumentative. But if it's more argumentative than normal or than usual, I should, I should say, then that's definitely um, when you start to see that. And, and typically you'll see it with some changing in their moods or some mood swings. Um, so there are definitely some some telltale signs that something may be going on and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a mental health diagnosis or need a diagnosis, but they're going through some kind of adjustment or some kind of transition and it's important for you to address that early on so that it doesn't manifest into a mental health illness or a mental health issue later on. Hmm. So with, with that being said, how do we tie that into our children and playing oh. sports? You know, because I've often seen situations where, you know, we have our children and, and we're talking about just a typical athlete. A young man or young lady got out there, decided to uh, try out for the team, made the team, and was all excited about being a part of the team. And now we have went through this uh, this pandemic where now they don't have it. They don't that 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 outlet is no longer there. So how do we help them deal with this type of Absolutely. situation? Absolutely. So I think it's so important for us to recognize, especially with our student athletes, um, there is a lot of stressors that are added to being a student athlete. Uh, I, I will speak from the high school perspective and college and then even subsequently right now with everything that's happening with COVID-19. So I remember being a student athlete in high school and the pressures that I, I think that I placed on myself that I felt like were placed on me by my coach and my team um, definitely was something that I had to learn to balance, especially because in addition to playing sports, I also worked a job. So, and I had to make sure my grades were good. And I wanted to make sure that I graduated with honors. I was on an advanced diploma, I was in beta club. So there are so many things that were literally added on top of, uh, on top of what I was doing at 16, 17, 18 years old that definitely helped shape to the woman I am today. But it's also because I developed a, a strength within myself and I had positive people around me that I was able to manage all that. But if you don't have those things, that's when, it, that's when the stress becomes too much to bear. So I definitely say that athletes, that student athletes, um, they, they they have a an extra layer added onto them that, that adds an extra amount of stress because they're having to balance their sports, they're having to balance their, their academics, they're having to balance their social life. And we know that it's so important for teenagers to have a social life, right? So when you start adding all of those things together um, for students, then it definitely makes for a very, um, it can make for a very stressful lifetime, um, lifetime experience for them. And, it's, and if they're not supported with that stress, then when they start to experience anything that could be detriment to their level of success or to their desired success, they may not be able to handle it. And so we think about those athletes who um, may have made the sports team. And I'm going to take it now from the coaching perspective. You had an athlete who tries out for the team. And maybe they made um, the basketball team in the last two years, but they get up to 
their 10th or 11th grade year and the competition is fierce you know you have these these athletes who are coming in from all these other middle schools or who may have been coming up from a JV level program and they're coming in and they're fired and so that athlete isn't prepared for the idea of being cut because maybe they thought oh I'm in there I've been on the team for the last two years I'm definitely going to make it and they get cut and everything is fine at first because they're like oh whatever you know the coach doesn't like me or you know they'll come up with something right but the reality of it is that that kid has gone through something that is a loss um it is a loss to their identity it's something that they've known who you know they may have identified themselves as the basketball player or one of the best basketball players on their high school team or their jv team and they get up to that level of the varsity level program and they get cut. And it is very it is very challenging because as parents, we wanna run in and save the day, right? We wanna run in and be like, oh, well, I'm gonna call that coach <laughs> and I'm gonna find out why you didn't make the team. But that's not helping to build up that student's mental health. That's not helping to build up their resilience and it's not helping them to learn to recover from that experience. Instead, what is teaching them is, when things get tough, you know, I can retreat and people can do my fighting and my bidding for me. And so that's why we tend to have those athletes who become um, very, very rigid when they're playing or they, they have that chip on their shoulders. You know, I, I take it to to Jordan, you know, especially with the documentaries going on. And, you know, Jordan got cut, but Jordan didn't go cry to his mama and his mama didn't call the coach. Jordan just worked harder. And, and I'm sure that he had those conversations with his parents about, hey, why didn't I make the team? You know, or what, what can I do to be better? And they, they poured into him to get him there. So I think it's important that when we think about what that student athlete may be going through, um, that we recognize that, hey, they had a loss and we're not gonna minimize it, but we're also not going to pacify it either. We're not going to, um, to try to fix it for them, but we're going to help them to understand like, okay, what, what can we do better next time? And how can we be better prepared? What things can we work on in the off season? And it's so important that we build that with our student athletes, that we encourage them to go talk to their coach. They talk to the coach, the student, not the parent, <laughs> to go talk to the coach to find out what can they do differently so that it can help build them back up and not just tear them down and put them in a place of, you know, again, where they they become very, very silent in, in their own um, in their own story or in their own transition. Well, it's, it's interesting that you said that, and I heard you stress the point of they go talk to the coach, not the parent. They go talk to the coach, but not 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 even saying. Mm -hmm. But let me let me pull that one back. What are some of the things that parents can do to aid their child in working through some of these situations? I, I know. Like you stated when you was talking about Jordan, how uh, his parents built that confidence in him to go out there and work even harder to some, you know, just to hey, just push it and, and, and make it work for you and, and do your best at it. But what are some of the things that um how, do I, how am I having a message coming through from you? What are some of the things that uh, parents can do? 
yeah, to help I their think, child. I think the biggest uh, thing that parents can do is to recognize that, number one, it's about them, about the student, about their child. It is not about the parent, the individual, the, the, the person raising them. Um, I think there's a lot of times that we we as parents we tend to want the best for our kids which is definitely something that we should want um but there's also a tendency that in wanting the best for our kids sometimes we try to live through their experience and it's so important that when our kids are going through um going through those things whether they're cut from the team whether they're not a starting five um whether they get benched in the game that we recognize that it is not about us period it is not about us it is about our child and and we have to be able to let our kids go through adversity in order to help them become stronger as a result of it because again if we come in and try to fix things then we're not they're not learning how to handle and problem solve and work through those things which again is part of pre, uh, establishing our our mental health our psychological emotional and, and well-being and social well-being so it's so important that number one, we understand that our child's um, sport career or their their career as a as student athlete or, or their experience as a student athlete is not about us. Um, it is about them, and so we want to we want to continue to make it about their experience. Um, the second thing that I would definitely say is just to recognize that you know the pressures that we may be putting on our child. Um, and, and understanding how how that may contribute to some burnout um, that our that student athletes can experience because when you start to experience burnout it definitely does affect your mental health um, it, it definitely affects your overall well-being especially because if you start to specialize I know that's always a big topic about specializing in a sport very early but if you're specializing in a sport and and you're you're focused on that sport and you're doing, fall ball, winter ball, spring ball, you're traveling or whatever, you're traveling um, most of the time throughout the year and you're only participating in just that sport and you don't have the opportunity to do anything else, you can become very fatigued and you can become very resentful that you didn't have an opportunity to do things. And and subsequently for that athlete, they can become resentful of their parents if they're feeling they're pushing them too hard. Um, I can definitely relate to that because my dad was my coach for a large part of my years and everything that I played. He coached me for football. He coached me in basketball. He even coached me in softball. And I don't think my dad played much of any of these sports, but he was just that coach, right? He was that dad. And I can remember um, I was a catcher for softball and my brother was a pitcher. And we had, my dad literally created a mound and a diamond for us in our backyard. And I had all of my own personal coaching gear, um, catching gear, because um, I, I usually had all my own personal things, especially with football, because I had specialized pads that fitted me because I was a girl. So I, so we would go in the backyard and we would throw 50 to 100 pitches. And so my brother would pitch and I would catch. And I can remember a particular time where I told my dad, like, yo, I just want to go play with my friends. All my friends were on their bikes and they were going to the clubhouse. And I wanted to go to the clubhouse too, right? But my dad was so adamant. I love my dad. Thanks, dad. But my dad was so adamant about me getting my catches in. He was like, hey, your brother's already pitched his 50 pitches. You owe me 50 catches. And I'm like, I just don't want to. You know, like, I want to go play. I want to go be a typical kid. I want to go hang out. Like, we've had three games this week. I just want to go play with my friends. 
And so my dad forced me to catch. And I can remember he was so upset um, with my attitude and my demeanor that he threw a rocket fire fastball. And I wasn't really paying attention and trying to catch. And that ball popped me right in my eye. And it shattered my glasses because I didn't even, I mean, when I say I didn't have on my normal stuff, I didn't put my contacts in. I was like, I'm just going to do it. I don't need my mask. And I went to catch the ball and I did not have my glove in a proper position. And the ball just popped me right in my face. And I remember my dad's face. He was mortified because he was like, you know, she really didn't want to do it. But I forced her to do it anyway. I forced her to come out here. And I would be honest, like, I stopped playing softball. (laughs) I stopped playing softball because I I did. I stopped playing softball. I mean, I was a true basketball player, but I loved playing softball because I had fun. And when my dad started going in and wanting me to be, like, all state and all this other stuff, he wanted something for me that I didn't want for myself. I just wanted to play because my basketball teammates played softball, too, and I was good at it. I was an athlete, so I was, you know, I... I'm naturally pretty good at anything I tried. So I okay, tried yeah. it and I loved it and I was the catcher and I was our like an all-conference style catcher. But when that happened, I told my dad I didn't even want to play to you. You know, because I was like... Wow. Well, I, yeah. I just had a question. I just had a question pop up. Um, it says uh, that her child plays soccer. But sometimes gets nosebleeds, and the doctor hasn't given a reasonable answer. Could that be something mentally that's happening with that child? Reason why that child gets so these nosebleeds? I, I definitely don't. I, I can't go into the specifics of that because I am not in any capacity to diagnose anything of that nature. Um, but I definitely know because some some kids have nosebleeds because of some other medical gotcha. things. Um, but I would definitely say if you take a note of what's going on and you see if they're maybe getting high stress and the nosebleeds are coming, then that might be something you would want to share with your doctor um, or your child's pediatrician because that's, that's definitely something that you could be recording data on to just know, like, okay, at what times are the nosebleeds happening? Um, when are these things occurring? That's oftentimes how, how we kind of make some good informed decisions about you know, the impact of something and and something more clinical. So I definitely would say if you're noticing that nosebleeds are occurring because the kid's becoming very high stress, um, then that is definitely something you want to share with your pediatrician or your child's pediatrician. Um, So my biggest advice to that for any kind of, of ailments, medical ailments or physical ailments, is to make sure that you are documenting when those things are happening and what's going on with that child because those are things that are going to inform your doctor as to what may be happening with them. Okay, that that was a great answer. Well, we're going we're going to go for probably a few more Absolutely. minutes and hopefully you can still hang out with us. Uh and you don't have to run. Uh but we're going to go for a few more minutes before we decide to wind this thing down. You know, and and looking at everything that you shared with us today, um, and let's let's bring it a little bit more closer to home as we think about Absolutely. and consider this current pandemic. And you know, there were there were some children 
that was like expecting to have this season uh, to just give them a sense of relief and possibly give them a chance to get viewed by um, you know Absolutely. a college or something. Absolutely. You know, some of these high school seniors. What what could we do to kind of sort of help you know balance them out or to help them get through uh, this yeah, here situation so I and, and would move say forward? It goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the sense of recognizing those signs in your child. Um, so I mentioned before that we're going through this global pandemic. Um, we've experienced, um, and this is what we would consider from a clinical standpoint, a mental health standpoint, as a adverse childhood experience, right? This is a natural kind of disaster that's happening, and it's created a loss and a disruption. And so because we are experiencing this loss and this disruption, um, we are going to go through a grieving process. And so for many of the student athletes who are missing out on their senior year, of their sport, uh, especially with baseball, uh, track and field, softball, you know, those sports are going on right now. Um, they're, they're experiencing a loss and that loss is going to show up very differently for, for all of our students. It's, it's going to be based off how they're, how they've experienced things in the past or, or does it seem familiar to them? Um, and so what's so important for us to recognize is that we're now two months into it. And so the, the behaviors and the changes may have already started to occur. They may have already happened, but it's not something that's just gonna go away from them. So one of the things that I would definitely say for us parents is that we're looking out and we're looking at che or checking in with our, our kids to make sure that they're okay. You know, and not just asking just the, the, the minimum, hey, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Because some people may not wanna talk about it. You know, so I think it's important that we lead with some lead with some things to invite conversation and and really just checking to make sure that the kids are ready to talk about it, because some some of the athletes are still really dealing with it very hard. And especially as we move into this coming week, because many students are set to graduate um, next week, like the 20th, 21st, 22nd range. And then some athletes are going to be graduating in June. So as we move closer to those graduation periods or to those senior weeks like right now, um, I'm really excited that VHSL, um, the Virginia High School League, has uh, recommended the, the lighted up nights and you know keep the lights on. And so stadium lights are being lit up at all these high schools um, just to try to help the students know that, hey, we're thinking about you on what would have been your senior night. Now, at the same time, there are going to, um, we may create more responses or more feelings for our students because we're, we're reminding them of this was your senior night. And so we have to be prepared for that as well. You know, it, it, it's all great and it seems very well for us to do and it's very well intended, but there are also some, um, some backlash that we might experience with our kids because it's the reminder to them that they're going through this. It's the reminder to them that they're missing out on their senior year or their senior season. And so I think we just have to keep those things in perspective. I think we see a lot of on social media in particular about, you know, things that we can do to support the senior class. And, you know, we're, we're putting up our graduation pictures, we're putting up our, our prom pictures, or we're doing all these throwbacks. And those are just 
trigger sometimes for students to know, like, I don't have prom. I don't have um, my graduation. So seeing your pictures and seeing your experiences, while they're great and they're they're nice, it can also create some kind of response from that child. And it may make them seem like they're ungrateful or make them seem like they're, um, they're making a mountain out of a molehill. But it's a subjective experience because it's their trauma it's their individualized experience and so it's so important for us to remember that that it's going to look differently for each child and some may handle it very well or they may mask it very well and others may be a little bit more outward with it like I said they might be fussing at us or they might think everything's stupid they might want to run to the beach or whatever it is um and it's just their way of trying to handle it. So I think it's so important that we have these conversations about their loss um, and about their grief and recognize at what stages they may be in in that grieving process. Um, if you don't know, I would highly recommend you check out Seven Stages of Grief or, you know, and, and kind of learn more about it because you will start to see your child possibly going through those stages and understand that it's not linear, that it could become very cyclical and, you know, they may go from acceptance to anger and, you know, and, and kind of going back through those different phases. So it's just so important that you understand um, grief and love now. So. Wow. It, it, you know, and, and that's, that's so, so true. So true. And I've seen it play out uh, in many cases, you know, but the puzzling part for me is Mm-hmm. Let's let's look at that new freshman, that freshman mm-hmm. that starts hopefully in September or right. August uh, at the college level, but didn't get a chance to perform during their last year in high school. Now you have that added pressure of, hey, I accepted this scholarship. I'm here at this school and now I'm expected to step up but you know the last time I last time we were in uh, training or conditioning or whatever I felt a little off so I haven't really had a chance to play a full game in months absolutely so now here I am I'm at college and I'm part of the baseball team or I'm part of a yeah. uh, relay on, on track and field. Absolutely. And now Absolutely. I'm expected and I think to that it will be on the owners of the schools. And I think that it will be a due diligence of colleges and universities, across, especially across the U.S., to definitely ensure that you have some level of school uh, psychology incorporated into all of this with your student athlete programs. Um, I, I think that even a lot of research is showing and a lot of schools are actually adopting more of um, the, the sports psychology into their, their athletic departments, which is, which is huge. And research has shown that the student athletes feel like, you know, hey, we do need somebody um, from a psychological standpoint as part of our team. And we need to be checking in, you know, just like we go in for our trainer to get wrapped with tape. Like I said, our physical health, we also need to be tending to our mental health. So I definitely would say that for all of this, the colleges and universities out there, that if there isn't a component that is addressing, you know, this transition that we're having for our students coming in, number one, as freshmen to any sports program um, from the jump, 
it definitely need to have it now um, dealing with everything with COVID-19 because we do have to make sure our kids are good um, when they're coming in because the pressures of going from a high school athlete to a college athlete is real. And it is a totally different experience because you go from, you know, playing maybe 20 games in a three month period, four month period to conditioning for three months and then playing for three months and then post condition workouts and all these other things. So you are a year round athlete. So I definitely would say that it is it is a due diligence of the school. It will be highly suggested from the school perspective, from a college and university to have some component in there about school, uh, sports psychology or um, athletic well-being and checking in with them, especially through whether it's a student advisory council or the athletic department coming together from an administration standpoint. But it's so vital and it's so important for our, our student athletes to have that. At the same time, too, I'll add, you know, um, to that, Coach Scott, that if you have student athletes who are preparing for that next level um and, and sadly we have student athletes who wanted that last hurrah and opportunity to get to that next level who, whose, whose opportunity was cut short so they may be trying to look at a walk-on experience but i will tell you especially for our student athletes who are um who may have had their season cut short or, or don't have that opportunity now to have that um that preseason conditioning for your other sports like football and basketball um this is a great time while you're home to really start developing your individualized workout plan and to develop that, um, to take that initiative within you as well. And again, it's good for your, your mental well-being, right? So if you're at home, th this is an opportunity for you to reach out to those coaches to say, hey, you know, is there a workout plan that you can send me so that I can start getting prepared? I, I remember going into my freshman season and my coach, um, shout out Coach Dunmeyer, uh, she's now at Oberlin Women's Basketball Head Coach in Ohio. Um, but I remember she sent us these home workouts. So yeah, she sent us these home workouts. And I was like, yo, these all workouts right, are right. intense. But they prepared me for what I was going to experience when I got there. So you definitely need to, um, I definitely would encourage the student athletes to reach out to, um, to either their AAU coaches or their high school coaches even. Um, I'm sure your high school coaches would love to talk to you about that. Um, but reach out to those coaches to say, hey, can you help me develop a workout so that I can be getting myself prepared? Because if you're sitting at home on the couch, yeah, that might be a sign that you're going through something. But the best way to counteract that is to get moving and to get active. So this is a great time for you to implement a good uh, routine and a regimen to work out to be prepared for that season. Um, so definitely reach out to your coaches. Uh, whether that's your high school coach or your, your college coach that you're going to be with so that you can start developing some kind of routines that get you acclimated as best as possible. Well, as, as we prepare to wind down here, I, I, something comes to mind as we started talking more about uh, the college experience. And one thing as a parent that I often try to look at is what type of experience will my child have or any child have going into a new college program. And, and one thing that I, I find that's very important that you just touched on is that child having someone that's experienced or familiar with mental health issues and having mm -hmm. them as part of the team staff 
how important do you think that it that is to have someone that's familiar with mental health issues being a part of the team staff and whether or not a parent should inquire about that I, th- I definitely think it's very important and like and, I said and, and I think there's a huge wave that's going on especially in NCAA um, with adding uh, psychological services as part of the staffing um, in, in those sports programs I definitely would say that at all levels um, from especially if they're still um, a high school athlete or a middle school athlete it's so important that your athletic program that you're looking at whether it's AAU or it's travel ball that it has some component that is going to help your your child develop in life, um, that life development piece. You know, my son, like I said, my son is nine and he was just getting into the AAU circuit. And one of the biggest aspects of me looking into an AAU program was something that was just more than basketball, you know, more than just the athletic side of it. I wanted to know how you were gonna develop my child as a person, how you were gonna develop them as a student, how you're gonna help them develop into a, a young man who's going to be playing in a sport, hopefully in college or something. And so when you're looking at that from the parent perspective, you know, definitely you want to make sure that the program is addressing their overall um, well-being, like I said before, because that's what mental health is. It's your emotional, your psychological, your social well-being, not just what you're going to do with athletics, because we know that when those lights go out, your senior season, if you don't have that plan to go pro or go overseas, when that senior season hits and, and the lights go out, you got to go into the real world. And you want to make sure that your child is prepared for that real world, whether they are a high school athlete or they're a college athlete. So definitely making sure that there is a component that is addressing their life development, their psychological well-being is part of that life development cycle. And so if you're finding that the program does not have a strong success rate of those athletes, um, matriculating into adulthood or navigating through the course of of their coursework while they're in school or being successful with graduation retention and all those things that's not a good program to be looking at I know that's a whole different conversation that we could probably go into but I I definitely think that it's so important that (laughs) as we are looking and going on those recruitment visits uh, parents that you guys are asking about who's who's part of the team I, I think that's a good point coach so even in the high school level uh, thinking about who's part of your team it's so important for high school athletes to be meeting with their school counselor or to be meeting with some type of mentor in the school who is going to help them with navigating okay what are my next steps especially if you're getting ready to sign that letter of intent um, to go play somewhere you know that intent to play should also come with the intent to do well so I definitely should. I definitely would encourage uh, any parent out there who is trying to help their kid navigate through um, college to um, some high school to college sports that you're looking at. How are you going to support your child through that transition? Get them to meet with with a counselor. I mean, use your EAP if you have if you have EAP through your company. You get those three visits. I strongly encourage you to use them and, and have your child sit down and think about you know how are they going to handle this transition. Um, what are you going to do? Sit down as a family and talk about it. You can get six sections just from going from the individual to the family session, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, I definitely would say that it's, it, it is. I think it's such an important conversation oh, to have deep. because right. um, that, that is a life change. And we've seen so many athletes who get out into the pros and who get out there and they, they don't know how to handle the pressures of stardom. 
Uh, they don't have to have to handle the pressures of celebrity, especially when it comes to finances and so many other things. And we see them succumb to um, to so many different things out there in the world. Um, and, and it's so important that we're having those conversations and making sure that our, our student athletes are, are strong and, and are able to handle those things. Well, Monique, we definitely thank you for joining it, joining us this afternoon. Uh, you have unloaded <laughs> enough for us to think about for the rest of the year. Uh, and it, it's been some, some great, 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 great information that, you know, parents are probably going to be seeking you out. So from that point, how do they reach you? if they want to talk to you about something. Oh, absolutely. Or, or, or so, do you provide that? Uh, of course, that I am an educator by day. So um, you, I'm mostly in the classroom um, throughout the school year nowadays. Um, but you can also connect with me through my website, uh, moniquedwilliams.com. That's moniquedwilliams.com if you have any questions, because I do continue to provide consulting services um, outside of my school time, especially during the summers. And so I'm available by there. And you can always connect with me on Facebook. Um, you can reach me at Monique Danielle on Facebook. I love to talk as well as connecting with my business Facebook page at um, Beginnings Family Enrichment at BFE Coach. So definitely um, enjoyed having the conversation with you today. Uh, uh, okay, give, give us that. Give us that. Oh, no problem. Give us that last so, one again, because um, you ran through that so rather BFE quickly. BFE Coach, um, Beginnings Family Enrichment. BF. So that's BFE Coach on uh, Facebook. So if you just type that in the browser, you'll you'll come right up to my business page. Um, and my website is moniquedwilliams.com and beginningsfamilyenrichment.com. So either one of those can connect you directly to me. Well, we appreciate you. We thank you. And again, hey, you have unloaded some stuff on us that we really and truly needed to hear uh, long overdue. And definitely look forward to us reaching out to you again uh, for your guidance and your support and your knowledge. How you have unpacked things has been phenomenal. And uh, we would love to bring you on the air with us live on the radio uh, when we get that spot up and going as well because the Parents Coach Parents Network who's going to be taking that spot next on the air live so uh, we would love to have you I on would love to, to you. Uh, enlighten that audience as well hey you stay safe great hey you stay safe you stay well and you stay healthy as we conclude this show here on the Parents Coach Parents Network Folks, you've been talking to Miss Monique D. Williams, as she so very eloquently put it. And uh, she just shares so much information with us. And if you have a question and you didn't get a chance to write down uh, what she left as her contact information, always reach out to us here at the Parents Coach Parents Network. Always reach out to us here at the Parents Coach Parents Network. Or you can go back and listen to the podcast again and again. And again, and again, because every time you listen to the podcast, guess what, folks? We get paid. We get paid to make sure that you're out there listening and you're enjoying the information that we are providing to you. 
So on that note, hey, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. This is M.A. Scott, the host of the Parish Coach Parish Network. And I- the game had people front and talk about me but that ain't no thing see i know what would make it with the knowledge in my brain and if i succeed with that then be ball would do the same i can't complain the situation that i'm in meeting different connects that turn out to be my friends i know what it turn out great and my four years come to an end and when the ball starts bouncing i'm at the plumber out the pen but i'm hate dead playing ball is just a small part with this education i have a great start and if you work hard with the teachers they might be showing love in the stands and when the bleachers i'm only preaching i'm just trying to spit knowledge and the knowledge opportunities at your disposal when you get to college i use ball as a tool now every day i'm living and i'm making smart cool that's how i do Check out Parents Coaching Parents Network on blogtalkradio.com slash parents coaching parents.